the illest of course. Real fans, real talk. We the illest on court. Real fans, real talk. We as real as we thought. Real fans, real talk. Reporting live from the cam. High in demand, so please stand by if you can. What we got is worth a lot, so put a tie in your plans. On court, talking sports through the eyes of the fans. With Trip Young, Emma Marie, Eric Sanchez. You heard what I said, we elite. Check the latest topics and stay ahead of the beat. Keep us in your topics and uh-huh. we ahead of the Yo. streets. It's Johnny Floss, bringing a different type of blend. Backing up Misfit to make sure y'all tuned in. You gotta watch, this show is one of a kind. Updates on your TV screen from 8 to 9. For the older folks, so even if you're younger, no matter what sport, this show, we got it covered. It's filmed live in the middle of BK, so ain't no better sports show to watch on Thursdays. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Real Fans Real Talk. I'm one of your hosts, Emerald Marie, and I'm here with my two favorite guys, Legend in Two Games and Trip Young. What's going on, guys? What's really good, Em? How's everything? Chilling. I'm trying to recover from this crazy storm of losing power for a week, so I'm now catching up to the world and seeing what's going on in sports. So this week is the officially the NBA playoffs. Let me say that again. Just cut that. So this week is the start of the NBA playoffs. We had some exciting games, um, and I can say I'm really shocked about how exciting NBA has been, knowing that these guys had months off, you know, and I think that probably gave them steam to really come come hard. So there's a lot of great lineups that are going to happen. You have the um, Los Angeles Lakers versus the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I'm super excited to not only see this lineup, um, Dame has been killing it, uh, setting just – giving us crazy stats. And as you guys know, King James always comes correct. So what are you guys, which lineup are you guys ready to see? Um, I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all know, you know, <laughs> well, I'm trying to see, see go at it first. And that's the Lakers and uh, the Trailblazers. Um, of course, I want LeBron to get as many rings as he can before he retires. But, um, you know, I got to tip my hat to Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. Um, what he's been doing the past uh week or the past eight games has been nothing short of amazing. Um, but, you know, I just think that going into the playoffs and running into LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think it's going to, it's going to be a whole different ball game. And I, I mean, I picked the, the, the Lakers to win the series anyway, but I'm worried that Dame may be a little bit burnt out by the time you know, by this uh, Tuesday, I guess, when they when they play game one, because, I mean, 53, 61, 42, last game he had, he had like 30. So he's been doing a lot to to get Portland to the HC so they can actually make the playoffs. But, I, you know, I'm worried that he, he may have burned himself out. And then, you know, a team that already doesn't play any defense, uh, you know, now you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis coming out, coming up next. You know, I don't know if they, if, they, if they got enough to withstand that. Right. I agree with you on that. I'm interested in the matchup because Dame has been so hot, um, but he's going to need help. He looked a little tired at the end of that Memphis game, and uh, CJ kind of closed out that game for them. But they need CJ to be on his game, and unfortunately he's dealing with a fracture in his back. Um, they need Melo to be on his game. Uh, they need Nurkic to play really well because Nurkic is going to have a very tough matchup against Anthony Davis. And ultimately, the Lakers have the best two players in, the, in, this, uh, in this series. Portland has a little more depth. Um, so we're going to see which one wins out. I'm probably focused a little bit more, too, on Anthony Davis because he has yet to give us that big playoff moment. 
to mm-hmm. kind of solidify why we view him as one of the top five players in the game. And he has his opportunity now. You know, Lakers are the number one seed. The expectations are high on the team. And so it's going to be an interesting matchup uh, between those two. I, I would expect the Lakers to win, but Portland is very hot right now. Yeah. No, so I, I, I could... Oh, I'm sorry, Em. Just really quick, I just want to send uh, condolences actually to Nurkic because he lost his grandmother uh, yesterday uh, to COVID-19. Uh, so I just want to send condolences to Nurkic. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have the number one and the number eight seed. And I think seeing that dynamic duo between James and Anthony Davis under kind of pressure in the playoffs is something I'm looking forward to see. And I think, you know, LeBron's is still, LeBron James is still carrying you know, that we just lost Kobe. It hasn't even been a year. And he's playing, you know, in this playoff season, you know, representing the Lakers. So I, I, I'm i curious just to see how he really shows up. I know that Dame has been killing it, um, but I feel like LeBron just under the pressure, pressured situations and just he gives it his all. So I'm really looking forward to see that lineup. Um, some, some of the other matchups that are happening, you have the Clippers versus Dallas. You have the Denver Nuggets versus the Jazz. Houston Rockers, Rockets versus Oklahoma City Thunder, um, Milwaukee uh, Bucks versus Orlando Magic. So there's just a lot of really good matchups. So I'm ready for this series to begin. Um, speaking of teams that did not make the playoffs, um, the Pelicans did not make the playoffs. Um, and so Coach Alvin Gentry was fired after five seasons. So, I mean, it's cutthroat out here. He didn't, you know, they didn't perform. They, they struggled with a lot of injuries over the years. Um, you know, he had great players, but, you know, he wasn't able to make playoffs. So four out of the five, um, fuck, I think I messed that up. Is it, they didn't make it four times out of the five playoffs? They Correct. made it once? Correct. Okay. Um, so they only made playoffs um, one time out of the five times that Alvin Gentry was the coach. So they, they did fire him and um, the commissioner of, of the Pelicans, not commissioner, I'm fucking, fucking up. What's the name? The general manager. Uh, yeah, he, he made a statement. This is a cut to shit anyway, right? Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So the Pelican basketball um, operation, operations chief. President, president of operations. Oh, David Griffin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the president of operations for the Pelicans, David Griffin, did state that this is a time for movement. This is a time for change. Um, you know, they spoke highly about of Coach uh, Gentry. Um, however, this is definitely the time for you know a new voice. So I'm looking forward to see who they who they have replace him. So. I'm not too surprised by the uh, the firing just because right before their last game in a bubble, Zion came out and he kind of questioned um, the team's um, readiness for that game, which they end up losing. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of questions about guys like Lonzo and um, Brandon Ingram, um, kind of from the standpoint of people critiquing and feeling like the team hasn't just been prepared. The young stars aren't prepared for this moment. So I'm not surprised by the firing. Also, I think we got to remember that David Griffin was a part of the front office in Cleveland with LeBron, and he understands how small of a window it is in the NBA when you have a superstar. And make no mistake, we know Zion is a bona fide superstar. So I think this move is a combination of, all right, you're not developing the young talent the way we want, 
And we also know that we're working with a very small window to maximize this opportunity. So in order to do that, we've got to bring in the right coach who can get the best out of these young guys. I have a feeling that Teron Liu, who was a former head coach in Cleveland and is part of the Clippers uh, staff now as an assistant coach, will right. probably be the, the, the front runner for that job because of his relationship with David Griffin. Right. Uh, he won a championship in Cleveland. He's a proven coach. And he's a guy who's probably going to get the most out of these young guys. So New Orleans is looking at it from the standpoint of they know this is not a long-term run that they're, they're gearing up for. Um, Brandon Ingram is going to be a free agent very soon. He's got to get his money. Same thing with Lonzo Ball. Uh, and you also want to try to maximize Zion's potential. And in order to do that, you got to have the right head coach. So I think that's the move that they're looking at right now. And that's why they fired Alvin Gentry. I think that's an excellent point. Um, you know, to be able to develop talent, no matter how great they are, you have to um, have the right coach for that. And, you know, Zion, as good as a player is that he is, I think them not making it, you know, um, just with, with a player like Zion, you have to look at the, the leadership, right? Because it's like, okay, what pieces are missing? How are you using this one-of-a-kind player? Like Zion, we know, is, is someone that is he's a he's a future LeBron James you know he's a future Hall of Famer and so you know it's good that early they looked at the coaching staff for sure you think Mark Jackson is the guy to go in there maybe he can do what he did for Golden State um again I, I think with Mark Jackson is really about the job that he wants and I and rightfully so because Mark has earned that right to be selective um he may want the job Again, there's a lot of potential there. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo, um, obviously Zion, uh, Jackson Hayes. So they got a lot of young talent there. And, and then you got veterans like Drew Holiday and uh, J.J. Redick. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think Teron Lue is probably the guy for the job because of his relationship with David Griffin, because he also has the respect of the players. He's a guy who won a championship in this league. Um, so I think he'll be their first call. But if you're Mark Jackson and you want the job, I think you you – make it known that you want to go to New Orleans and you'll be one of their frontline candidates to go there. Um, and and you, you brought up a great point as well. Zion has endless potential. He's a generational talent. We know that. And any front office has to understand, again, that we have to maximize that, especially while he's on his rookie contract. Because when he gets his payday, he's going to get it. We know he's going to be paid top right. dollar. So in order to maximize his potential and maximize what you have around him. You got to bring in the right coach right now who can be that leader. Um, mm -hmm. And Em, I wanted to toss it back to you because you played on a college level. Uh, you competed on a college level. So you understand how important is it to have that coach who is not only a good leader, but a good motivator to get the best out of you. That's a great question. And it's very important, and actually, I experienced two college coaches during my, my span of my career um, at Towson University. The first two years, I had one coach who, you know, believed in me from high school. Um, and though they were both great, they had different strategies and just different methods. And I think, you know, I love Coach Rogers. <laughs> I never want to say anything bad, but the first two years, I think we had such a big team, and we didn't have enough eyes for like the field events for track and field right and just the coaching um it was a struggle and I feel like it, it kind of did affect my development my freshman and sophomore year whereas I was playing catch up my junior and senior year trying to make up for the lack of growth in certain areas right 
So I, I think it's so imperative, especially when you're young and you have just the mobility and the, the strength and the everything. You know, even even a year or two makes a difference as an athlete with your body, you know, preparing your body for that next year. So it's it's really important. So in other news of what's going on in the NBA bubble, um, the Utah Jazz point guard, Mike Conley, leaves the bubble because of the birth of his beautiful baby boy. So this is, um, you know, one of the reasons I think about how these guys are even handling the bubble, right, with having families. This kind of reminds us all that they're, they're human, that they're still experiencing, you know, the birth of their children. So he will miss the playoff games. Um, obviously a great reason to miss the games. He had his, you know, his, he has a son. Um, so how do you think this is going to affect um, them? Obviously he comes off the bench and he, you know, sometimes is a starter, but with them, you know, being in the playoffs and I believe um, the Denver Nuggets are going up against UL Jazz. Fuck, I messed up. Is he on the Jazz? He's he... on the Jazz. Oh, oh I, I did fine. Don't, don't worry about it. And, and can edit that whole thing, so don't yeah, worry. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so how do you think missing uh, Mike Conley is going to affect this playoff game, this playoff series versus the Denver Nuggets um, and the Utah Jazz? Um, so I, I think it could be big for them um, because he was brought over to kind of get them over the hump. Uh, they have two young stars in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. and Mike Conley's experience, uh, he's a crafty veteran, he, though he's not a perennial all-star anymore, he's still a guy who, who can get you buckets and play big minutes for you. So Utah was expecting him to come in and, and provide leadership and guidance for their young guys um, throughout the season and obviously the playoff run. So it, it could be big for them. I actually personally think they were they could beat the Denver Nuggets in the first round. I was predicting that as my first round upset, one of the series to watch. Without Mike Conley, it gets a little tougher because we know Denver's team is very good and very deep. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of, we know about um, Jokic, we know about Gary Harris, um, we know about Jamal Murray, but they've also unlocked now Michael Porter Jr., who I'm a big fan of, and Bo Bo. So Denver is peaking at the right time, and Utah needed to have their full squad to be able to upset them in the first round. So right. I think it will have some implications. Um, and just to give the, the you know the, the viewers and the people a little background on it. Um, he is leaving because of the birth of his son, which is a beautiful thing. And congratulations to him and his wife. He will have to quarantine, I think, for four days when he does get back in a bubble. So that's where the impact comes in and determining how much time he really misses. Their series starts tomorrow. He might miss, you know, three or four games. He may miss the whole series. Who knows? Hopefully they prove me right and they do advance to the second round because in the second round of the playoffs, the families of the players actually get to join them in the bubble. So it would be a nice thing if they could advance and then him, his wife and his son could join them there. You know, the second round, um, they get to have their families come and join them in the bubble. Now, on the flip side of that, and we've seen in the WNBA, the women have been able to bring their children with them into the bubble. How important do you think that is for the women, as you mentioned, because mentally you've got to focus on this job. It's, yeah. it's new surroundings for you. The last thing you want to have to really think about is your family. So on a woman's game, do you think it's it's helpful that the families are there or do you think it's a little bit more of a distraction? I think it's it's a little bit more helpful. Obviously, I don't have kids. I don't know how that that what that feeling is like to be detached from your child, you know, especially if you carry them inside of you for nine months and then you have to go back to work. 
Um, I think it's just the same as, you know, women kind of going to work and they're knowing that their children are safe, especially with COVID. Um, but obviously their line of work is much different than the average nine to five. You know, they're, they're in this bubble kind of disconnected from society where they can't just clock out and go home. So I think it's, it's definitely conducive to have that, that support there, knowing your babies are safe, knowing that they're close to you um, probably gives these women more peace of mind. And, you know, it's much different, obviously being a woman carrying your children inside of you, um, you know, instead of men that don't have that, a mother and child bond, I think is much different. Right. So, right. you know, a guy going to the bubble and, FaceTiming their kids. We've been seeing a lot of really cute videos of a lot of the, the players bringing their um, their toys. I think it was like Russell Westbrook brought his uh, his son's toy and played with him through FaceTime. So I think it's important for those women to have their kids and their spouses there for sure. I agree. I, I wish the NBA allowed them to uh, allow the players to bring their families right away. I understand why they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you mentioned and you highlighted, we saw Russell Westbrook uh, with his Toy Story uh, doll, you know, on FaceTime with his son, uh, Jason Tatum of the of the Celtics actually bought duplicates of every book that he reads to his son at night before bed, and he still FaceTimes with him and reads the books to him. So I think it's a it's a it's a great experience for the players, but I think it would have been a lot better if the families could have been there, uh, because we know so many of these uh, young children look up to their athlete parents, and right. on women's game, I, th- I think that's a beautiful thing as well. We're seeing everything that the women are doing. Uh, before the games and with Breonna Taylor's name on the back of the jerseys yeah. but for their sons and daughters. I think it's a great experience to be there and kind of see what, see what the lifestyle is really like. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're there with your parent and you understand that they've got to be up early for practice. They got meetings, they got mm-hmm. game tapes, they got film, they got to study. They got all these things going on. And at the same time, they're still being parents. Yeah. And you know, I think that um, not just NBA, but NBA and WNBA have done an excellent job with being really, um, smart about COVID. I mean, obviously, due to the nature of this sport, you're able to kind of facilitate this bubble situation and, and keep the virus out, right? So um, it's really impressive that this entire time there has been no cases, you know, from the NBA. And that's that's something that, that's crazy. Our own president couldn't understand, <laughs> couldn't figure out how to control COVID. And, you know, um, you know, luckily, the NBA and the WNBA were able to, to facilitate this. Um, some other leagues that are having some challenges with their players obeying that order. Um, so in the NFL, the Seahawks cut a rookie who was caught sneaking a woman into their hotel after they had all these restrictions and guidelines um, about COVID. And guys, listen, this wasn't wifey, okay? This wasn't, this was some some mess. And, you know, unfortunately, um, to to just lose your career over some, a woman <laughs> is, is tragic. So yeah, I mean, this, this player I know for sure is, is probably being clowned and they released the photo of, of the girl and, you know, I ain't gonna talk about nobody, but man, this wasn't worth it. Let me just say that. Well, I think, I think that, you know, had it been a situation where she was bad, Probably would have got a little bit of a different reception because you know we we all support Lou Williams for having his two girlfriends because they were both bad. If they wasn't both sexy, we probably would be like, "It's two girls, Lou." But you know they're not they don't really look that good, so you don't get too much points for that. But you know what I'm saying? As a as a rookie, and we're not even talking about you know a top draft pick to to be trying something like this. You are out of your mind. Um, 
I don't blame the Seahawks for, for giving you the boot just because, you know, we're in un- uncharted territories with this whole COVID thing. No, like nobody really has the answer, you know, w- with, with the exception of the NBA and the NFL may just be too big to be inside of a bubble. Yeah, I, I think um, so. Ant made a great point. This kid was not a first-round pick. He's not somebody that the Seahawks were planning on investing their future into. Um, He was actually undrafted. So when you're an undrafted rookie, you've got to maximize your opportunities. And the last thing you should be worried about is trying to sneak women into the facility, knowing that you're trying to make an NFL roster. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. Right. You're you're not guaranteed anything because you were undrafted. So there is no uh, there's no reason or. There, there is no stipulation that the team feels like we've got to keep you around. It's kind of like we're just test driving you right now. We want you to come in. We want to see what you got. And if you stick around, great. And if you don't, no sweat off our back. And not for nothing, you being a, you know, there is a hierarchy here, right? So you being an undrafted player who you're now putting a lot of other people in jeopardy. You know what I mean? So you're like barely in here, with the, you know, at the skim of your teeth. And then you're putting our star players who – you know, you have guys like Russell Wilson who just had a brand new baby who was already concerned about doing, you know, affecting his family. But you're coming, you're sneaking some girl in, you know. So it's just a lack of immaturity. This is not college. You are not sneaking a girl in and out your dorm. This is a big league. So he definitely fumbled the ball, the bag, his career. He played himself. So, I mean, this is horrible um that's that's gotta probably that's gotta be the, the most embarrassing conversation you could have um we hear so many times about athletes who you know the woulda coulda shoulda is oh I, I had an opportunity to play and this happened bro how do you explain to people that you were on an nfl roster yeah. during training camp trying to make the team and the reason you got cut wasn't because of your play on the field but because you tried to sneak a woman into the facility into yeah. your hotel that's yeah it's terrible, and I know there, there are certain guys who, you know, made light of it. Uh, Deion Sanders was, was joking about it. But Deion Sanders made a great point because he said, you know, during his training camp days, it was known that, yeah, guys would try to sneak women into the hotel they were staying in. He go, but the difference is when you a star and you perform like a star, coach is going to be a little more lenient. You know what I'm saying? If a coach catch you past curfew or catch you sneaking a woman in, he may just find you, but you're going to keep your job. But if you the rookie – that ain't really got a roster spot yet, that we haven't invested a draft pick in it, there's no reason for me to even keep you around. You can yeah. go home now. You open up a spot for another guy who's trying to make the team, so you can go home now. That's crazy, man. Well, listen, um, you know, it, I think regardless of him making this foolish decision, I think the most important thing is coronavirus, that this is still a pandemic that's going on. So it just shows immaturity and him having a lackadaisical, carefree attitude to try to do this. Um, another league, um, we can you know head over to MLB, where they are struggling to figure out how we're going to make this work with COVID. How you know they obviously the nature of their sport is much different. So Eric, if you want to kind of touch on what's going on over there with these cases that are rising and the change right. in the season. Right. We we've seen in Major League Baseball pretty much since opening day, uh, there have been incidents of teams being infected and, and affected by the virus. We saw the Miami Marlins. They, they had over, I think, 19 players who tested. And that's players and coaches because we never got the full list of names. So they might have been coached in there as well. Um, the uh, Phillies were affected by it. 
The Cardinals are now affected by it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an issue that Major League Baseball, they're trying to uh, keep it business as usual and continue to have the games played. But at some point, I tr- still believe they're going to shut down the season. Yes. Um, we're, it was supposed to be a 60-game season. We're only about 20 games in. So we're about a third of the way through the season. And we've had three teams affected by it. And then not only the three teams that have positive cases, the teams that were supposed to play those teams couldn't play their games now. Um, and they had to rework their schedule. And so I think MLB is, is starting to get into a, a point where it's like, look, either we're going to have to shut down the season uh, mm-hmm. altogether or we're going to have to create some sort of bubble format to keep it going because we're just suspending and canceling too many games at this point to be able to complete the season. Um, for people that, that aren't aware, most times Major League Baseball at this point in the calendar year is gearing up for the playoffs. And Major League Baseball, they, they were hoping to try to stick to the format and be ready to have their playoffs by late September, early October. But with all these cancellations, now you're pushing the season into November, and now you're getting to a point where you can't even play baseball outside at that point. So I don't know how they're expecting to finish this season with all these positive cases. And they're third of the way through at this point. So, so it's just like, yo, we're almost there, <laughs> realistically. Um, yeah, I really hope they get it together. Because, I mean, Eric, you know I've been talking about the Yankees this season and, uh, and how great that, uh, that they've been playing. Um, so I really hope they get it together. Shout out to Aaron Judge and uh, DJ LeMayu. They're on the injured list right now. But the Yankees are in first place. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, Aaron Judge is still leading the, the league in, uh, in, in home runs. So I'm looking forward to it. I really hope they can work it out. But it's tough, man. You know, shout out to the NBA again because they, they've figured it out. Yeah, the NBA was able to figure it out. And um, I think Major League Baseball, as I mentioned, they, they're trying to keep the business as usual. But at some point, you, you've got to plant your feet and be like, all right, this is getting out of control because the safety of the players uh, should far outweigh us trying to complete a season. You know what I'm saying? If, if my star players start getting sick and then they don't want to play at all, not only does it have an effect on this season, but then it, it really ruins my relationship with those players next season. You know, if, if one of your star guys gets sick, those guys are, are going to really feel like, man, I, I don't feel safe playing anymore. And now I want to figure out a way out of this whole situation. And that's the last thing Major League Baseball wants. We know we always talk about the major sports, basketball, football, obviously. Major League Baseball is, is trailing way behind all those sports. And the last thing they need is one of their stars to get sick. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Because that's you know, that, that'll be the end of it right there. And I want to get your thoughts on that, though. Like I mentioned, how do you think that would affect the bubble situation in the NBA, WNBA, even the NFL coming up, um, and obviously Major League Baseball, if one of the premier stars were to get sick? Let's say, as you mentioned, Russell Wilson were to get sick or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. How could that impact the NFL? Oh, it, it would impact it crazy because look at the fact that when Rudy Gobert got corona in the very beginning, that's that's when I felt the social shift in corona. When he got it, do you remember the feeling of everyone be like, oh my God, it reached the NBA. It was like there was actors on there like really giving heartfelt, damn near in tears. So imagine, you know, God forbid LeBron or, you know, just Anthony Davis and Dame, you know, if, if Russell Wilson, these these premier um, franchise players got it, yeah, it would definitely be a wake-up call. Unfortunately, it's it's the lower 
you know, second, third string off the bench and those undrafted players, it's like, oh, if they get it, it's unfortunately they seem to not react the same. But, yeah, no, if a franchise player gets it, I think that would be a wake-up call to everyone. But I think, first and foremost, any player getting it, I think these leagues didn't understand that their health is more important then it's just sports. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know we, we talk about this every day. We come on here, we talk about sports, but it's just like, this pandemic is far more important than any game that needs to be played. So I do think that MLB, um, they're missing the mark. They need to, if they need to just chill out for a moment and regroup, then that's fine. But to keep trying to push this season when these cases are rising, insane. Yeah, I, I agree. And, um, I hope we don't have to um, address a star player getting sick. I hope we don't have to address any player getting sick. Um, but you're right. You know, it, it, if a star player gets it, if a franchise caliber player gets it, it's going to shut everything down. We know this might be the new norm. Um, how, how do you guys think this is going to affect uh, stands, uh, fans in the stands, I should say, going to the games? Um, because we see the NFL is actually talking about trying to incorporate still having fans there, obviously not at capacity. How is that going to affect things moving forward if this is the new norm? And that was that was one Jerry Jones. You know Jerry Jones all about the dollar. <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about it. But, I mean, it, it sucks, I mean, especially from a fan standpoint, because, you know, these are the games that we, we would like to be at. You know, I try to get to a Yankee game at, at least, you know, once or twice a year. So it sucks from the fan standpoint. I know it sucks from the owner standpoint because they're losing a lot of money um, with ticket sales, season ticket holders, and whatnot. And I don't have, you know, none of us really have a clear, you know, what I'm saying idea of when people will actually be able to sit back in the stands and it'll be safe. We could be talking about a whole another season before fans are are really able to get back in because again, there's no vaccine right now. Right. What are your thoughts on that? How do you think that's going to affect it moving forward if this becomes a new norm? Um, I think it's going to affect the whole culture of the sports. I know just the feeling of it's going to feel like you're playing at practice, you know, like for the player standpoint, let me just speak from that view. I mean, the atmosphere of the fans and playing for a city. These guys are representing cities and states, you know, so that that whole atmosphere of that relationship you know, with the fans is going to be a lot different. And then from the fans' point of view, yeah, I mean, not only is it going to affect the dollar amount, which I, I, I'm predicting this now. I think the fact that these players, these fans aren't able to be in these stands, whether it's NBA, NFL, do you think this is going to affect, and I'm answering your question with the question, but these, how much these players are getting paid? You know, because this money, this, these, this, these contracts come from, um, their money's predicated off of a few different resources, right? You have the TV, you know, um, audience views. You have these contracts with sponsors, investors. And then you also have that dollar amount that comes from these stadiums being filled up. So now I'm curious to see how these contracts are going to change over the years. Um, if this is our new norm and we, we can't pack out stadiums, um, you know, how, how is this affecting the bottom line, which is the money? So um, I think it's going to change a lot. And even though we may not see it right now down the line, this may even affect um, how much these players are getting getting paid. I hope you got your contract before this, this whole thing happens. Because anybody who's up for a contract next year, they're probably going to have to deal with that as, as part of yeah. um, their, their contract and, and the money that's allocated 
for the for the player's salary. Yeah, I, I think there's two ways to look at it, and and that's a great question. And because we have obviously so much of player contract tied into the overall revenue, and ticket sales are part of that revenue. So if this becomes a new norm in regards to sporting events and social gatherings where we're not allowing everyone in or, and players have to play in empty arenas, then I think ownership and leagues themselves will start to sell more sponsorship spots. Um, when you watch certain games now, they have you know sponsorship all over the place now to try to recoup some of that money that they're missing out from, play, from, from fans being in the stands. So if you're selling more sponsorship spots and, and you're giving away um, – you're taking away the seating and you're saying, look, we're just going to advertise sponsors over these empty seats. You're still generating some of the money, but it's going to be up to the players then to fight for that in the next collective bargaining agreement to make sure that we're still getting some of that money and that money isn't just going to owners because the fans aren't showing up. Right. Um, but in the short term, I, I do think we're going to see an effect on it, especially in the NBA, because I think it's going to affect next year's salary cap and next year. And next summer, I should say, was the summer that we were all gearing up for Giannis becoming a free agent. And Giannis mm-hmm. obviously was the, is the biggest free agent since LeBron James hit the market back in 2010. Yeah. So his money may be affected from the standpoint of if he actually wants to leave Milwaukee. If he wants to stay in Milwaukee, he'll get the max contract and, and they'll pay him no matter what. But if he was looking to leave, teams that are bidding on him may not have the, the, the money to go after him the way they, they thought they were going to have it. No, I completely agree. Like I said, it's definitely going to affect salary cap. And, you know, every industry is being affected in the world. And you, you started to think that sports is, has been untouchable. But I do think that, like I said, the salary will be affected from the lack of fans. Thank you guys so much for tuning in always with another episode of Real Fans, Real Talk. Be sure to check our Instagram for new upcoming clips this week. Um, definitely stay up to date with what's going on in the NBA playoffs. And once again, I'm your girl, Emma Marie, and I'm signing off with my guys, Legend in Two Games and Trip Young. Absolutely. And really quickly, before we wrap up really quickly, we got to shout out Daniel Cormier, who's retiring from the UFC, multiple-time champion, also known for his rivalry with John Jones. Uh, he took a loss last night, and he's calling it a career. So salute to him because he's definitely a Hall of Fame fighter. Smush Parker here, formerly up to Los Angeles Lakers. And you are now tuned in to Real Fans, Real Talk. Real fans, real talk, we as real as you thought. Real 